Well, it's been uh, 15 months, 15 months of sitting in timeout or detention or purgatory, so it's glad to be back on the platform where I can actually see what's going on and be able to see y'all. Uh, we're going to restart a new, a new series, but an old series. Uh, for several years, my first three or four years here, we went through a series called The ABCs of Christianity. I had planned to resume that last summer, as I always do, but we had to punt it because of the pandemic. But I want us to go back to it as we just rehearse some of the timeless truths of our faith. T today will be a very um, theological reminder of who God is and what he's offered for us. So some of these ABCs have to do with doctrine. But then for the next three weeks, they're just going to be very practical things. What do what we as believers need to do or not do? What are the ABCs? And we've just followed every letter of the alphabet. We finished with the word narrow. We got to the letter N and we talked about Jesus is the gate and the door and the way is narrow. And every time we celebrate in this holy meal, we're reminded again that our salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. So we're at the letter O today. What would you preach on? it was the letter O. What are the basics of the faith of what we believe about God or how we are to respond to God? I thought about the word ought, and I thought about that word because modern philosophy cannot get there. The best of modern philosophy cannot say, cannot muster the word ought. Scripture can, because this is the source of truth. But modern philosophy can't get us there where we ought to do anything. I thought also about, because we have annual conference coming up in a couple of weeks, I thought about ordination. And I want to say to you again, every once in a while, the preachers will bring this up. You need to pray about if you're called, students and adults. I had lunch yesterday. One of our uh, church members finally was able to have their memorial service uh, after four months of waiting. It's just been a hard season. But I got to go up to Noxopater, uh, Mississippi, for that service yesterday and sat at lunch with a pastor who, from this area, was called and called and called and did not respond to that call until his adulthood. Are you called to ordained, set-apart ministry? We all need to be open to that. All of us, if you've been reading in our Bible reading plan, First Peter, all of us are priests. All of us are called to minister for the gospel. But are you called to be set-apart? been thinking about that with annual conference coming up and the ordination service coming up. I also thought about order. I thought about preaching about that because 1 Corinthians 14 is clear. God is not a God of confusion. But as that passage closes, that chapter closes, all things are to be done in an orderly manner. God is the God of order. And I only want, now I will say as Methodists, we go overboard with that. Have you read the book of discipline? I hope you haven't. I hope you've perused it. <laughs> But we are methodical. We didn't come up with that name. Other people looked at us and said, they need to be called Methodists. Look at them. I mean, it's, I guess you could use Methodist. I, I thought earlier uh, this week, maybe how would it be to be able to say to people when they say, where do you go to church? And you say, oh, I go to First United, meticulous, painstaking, uh, punctilious church. Because that's what we are. We're a church of order. And there's something right about that. You only want God's order for family. Our culture has gotten things out of order when it comes to family. You only want an ordered church family. 
You only want God's order for work or for relationships. Maybe that's something we can look at together someday. But I want us to go back to Hebrews. Um, We did eight weeks on Hebrews this spring, so let me review those eight hours of lessons with you. Christ offered once for all. And as we celebrate this meal, as we remember and celebrate the grace of Christ, that's that's the ABC today, to remember him, the one who offered once for all himself. We want to celebrate that today. What is offering? Now listen, a month ago we were in Romans chapter 12, and we we reminded ourselves, because of the great grace we have received, yes, our lives are to be a living sacrifice. We are to offer all of ourselves. Romans 12 talks about our body and our mind and God's will working out in our, our lives. All of that is to be offered. But what we remind ourselves, especially at this table, is he offered all. Or as the hymn writer would say, there's nothing in my hand I can bring. It's simply to the cross that I cling. He offered all. I love what Wesleyan scholar Thomas Oden says. Much of the history of religions is intensely concerned with expiation. The history of humanity is us trying to do our best to get God's favor. Maybe to control God, but to do what we can to please God and to get his forgiveness or his favor. And the gospel confronts every part of that and says, oh no, there's nothing you can do to rouse the gods because there's only one God. And guess what? He has offered himself for you. It's all grace. It's not works. It's grace. And the author of Hebrews is reminding us of that. It's not on me. I respond, but God himself has offered himself for me. Otherwise, I'm just worrying and fretting. Am I enough? Have I merited his favor? No, he's freely given it to you. I'd heard an Eastern parable years ago about a young man named Ling. And he, like all the children of that particular empire, was gifted one seed from the empire, uh, for the emperor. And apparently he had a plan that he was going to give every child and young man a seed and they were to take that seed for a year and to take care of it, to tend it, to grow it. And they would all bring it back before him and that, that would be his successor. He had no male heir and in that culture that would be the next successor. So everybody take your seed home, plant it, tend it, cultivate it, bring it back and I will pick from the harvest Who gets to be my replacement? Well, the first month, Ling did everything he knew to do, no growth. Second month, no growth. And as he watched his friend's plants grow and thrive and prosper, it was breaking his heart. What I'm going to bring before the emperor is going to be an embarrassment. I've got nothing. Six months, nothing. Nine months, nothing. Finally, the day came where all the young children and young men of that uh, region came before the emperor and every, everybody had an incredible and very diverse kind of vegetation and plants that they brought before the emperor. And the emperor looked out over all of it and he saw Ling and Ling had nothing. And he said, you, it's you. 
I boiled every seed that I gave to every one of you. And all of you tried to fake me and muster up to impress me, but you came with nothing. You, faithful, you brought what you were given, and it was nothing. What we're reminded of in the Gospels, there's, yes, we bring and receive his grace. We're going to receive that anew at this altar rail, this communion rail today. Nothing in my hand I bring. The gospel is that Christ has offered all. And all we have to do is simply receive. There's pictures of that throughout the Old Testament. That we want to respond and offer ourselves. You see it in Abel. You see it in Abraham and Isaac. You see it in in Job being a priest for his family and offering sacrifices for them. You see all the Levitical offerings. But what we see here in Hebrews 17, 27 is all those multiple offerings now cease. Because in Christ, all that had to be done for the forgiveness of sins is done. Done or in our Bible reading plan this week in 1 Peter 3.13, he suffered once for sin. So much of the book of Hebrews, chapters 1 through 10, is simply an argument to say that Jesus Christ is superior. He's superior in his person, but also in his work. And it's really a contrast. This contrast of Aaron's priesthood and Jesus' priesthood. And that's the contrast you're seeing here in verses 24 and 25. It's, it's not a priesthood that has to make perpetual offerings. It's not a line of priests, but there's one priest who lives forever. And what he offered, he offered once. And you and I can rest in that. It's been done and it's been finished. He's offered all. I know it's not a word. My spell check said it's not a word, but I got my doctorate last year, and I, I feel I have the right to make up some words. <laughs> He's the great offerer. He really is. And he'll do that again when we meet him at this table. Every time we come to this table, whether, as Renee said this morning, we come to be fed, or as Ben prayed, maybe you need to spend a little bit more time with confession, allow him to clean your heart. Um, Maybe you just need to meet with him, or maybe it's a Thanksgiving. Eucharist means the great Thanksgiving. Maybe you come here and you stay a while. It's been forever since we've been together as church family. You just want to stay for a season and offer me your thanks. Or maybe even as you're confronted by the body and blood of Christ, a couple of years ago when I made this invitation, a young girl said yes to Jesus Christ at the altar rail because she was confronted by grace, his body, his blood for me. The author of Hebrews, I don't know who he is, but he reminds us again that we have a high priest who has offered all for us. We just simply receive. That's the gospel. That's the grace of God. How is it then you and I as his people need to rest in that, be secure in that, but then also respond to it? What an offering of grace, a tangible reminder that we have this morning as we celebrate uh, together in this meal where we see his very grace, the cost of that uh, for us. So when we come to this table, we are very mindful of the invitation. The invitation to all who earnestly repent of their sin 
and seek to live in peace with one another. And we're reminded as we share together in this meal that on the night that Christ uh, was betrayed and arrested, he took bread, broke that bread, gave it thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave them the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.